Hello and welcome to Life After Sunday. We are so excited that you have joined us again for this next podcast, number two. Aaron, can you believe they let us come back and do a second episode? <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of our people at the church have said that they've really enjoyed listening to it so far, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's kind of whether that's gone. Absolutely, so. yes. In all seriousness, we do appreciate the positive feedback that we've been getting both from uh, listeners around, the, literally around the world, uh, but uh, definitely people coming up to us in church, and we really thank you for your support. And so what we decided to do for the second episode is just get to know us a little bit better. Mm -hmm, yeah. I mean, obviously there's people in our church that know us, but they may know some about us, but not everything. So what we wanted to do is just take a little, this episode to, to get to know us a little bit better, both of our salvation story, personal. And, uh, we decided that we were going to answer some of these questions that <laughs> yeah. we have been asking some of our staff members yeah, as well. So right. let's begin with, um, Aaron, tell us your salvation story. Yeah. So I was raised in a Christian home and I, my, like I, like my mom and dad were Christians and like all of her family were and all of my dad's family was to an extent. Um, and there's some other history there that I won't get into probably on this episode, but if we ever dive deep in some things, there's some, mm -hmm. some trauma in, in, in my family and my life that, um, could get into. But, uh, and so on my mom's side, I have a history of, of pastors mm -hmm. and, and evangelists. And so I, I come from a long line of people who have been just doing, you know, what we call God's work for a long time. Uh, and so I, I remember um, we were in Fairfield, Texas. That's where I lived from the time I was born until I was 16. And we, my my grandparents, um, Larry and Frida um, Sinclair, uh, Larry has since passed uh, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago, uh, and they were doing a revival um, thing at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Fairfield. And it was actually a church that my friend attended. I went to First Baptist in Fairfield. Uh, so they were doing a revival over there. And my, my grandfather, their ministry was, um, he sang, and my grandmother is actually a ventriloquist. Frida's a ventriloquist. And so really? she would do, yeah, she has a Willie Joe is is her, her call him a dummy. That's kind of <laughs> weird. But, you know, his, her dummy's name. And, uh, and so they would do like kind of that kind of uh -huh. evangelistic approach, um, which was really effective then, right? It's kind of, you know, Maybe not so much anymore. It might be. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll try it at that church. We'll get Dr. Biles to do a French <laughs> linguist act on Sunday. We'll see if it works. And so, but my grandfather also did chalk drawings. Uh -huh. And it was the black light kind of chalk drawings. Uh -huh. And so he would draw and then turn a black light on, the black light on, and then it would there would be a picture behind the picture that he drew. Uh -huh. uh, and so they did all that one night, and um, I was about five or six. Uh, my memory isn't as great as Dr. Biles' is. I mean, he was mm -hmm. like, this day, this right. hour, you know, the kind mm -hmm. of things. And I don't remember all of that, um, but I do remember um, going down front to him mm -hmm. and saying, I, you know, I think this is what I'm feeling, and I I think this is what I want to do. And so uh, Frida, my grandmother, took me to the back of the of the church and she talked to me about all that. And then I, I'm going to put this in air quotes for people who can't see, who see me. I gave my life to the Lord. Um, however, from that span on until I was 13, I was never really taught anything else about what that meant. Mm -hmm. um, I did baptism at our church, uh, First Baptist in Fairfield, um, but I didn't really know what that meant. And no mm -hmm. one really, really explained that to me. Um, and then I was just a terrible kid also from that point on. So nothing like in my life changed. Mm -hmm. I just did something that I thought that all of my family expected me yep. to do. And so that's kind of what I was feeling in the moment. And so I did it. Right. Uh, and so get to 13. And then, uh, I mean, I 
get involved in all kinds of just terrible things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I was already at 13 addicted to pornography. I was um, drinking and I was smoking and I was, you know, doing drugs, all all that stuff Mm -hmm. at 13 years old. Uh, And and, and there there was just this defiant spirit in me always, all the time. Um, And that got, there's a life situation that got me to 19 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. So from 13 to 19, that's who I am. And that's right. what I'm doing. I am in my room in San Angelo at the time. So we had moved a couple mm-hmm. of places by this point and uh, I'm sharing a room with my brother. He's still in high school. I had just graduated uh, and I'm, you know, still living at home because I didn't go to college. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I was just working. Um, and I remember, and I th- we'll get to this when we dig into some of the, the our lives in a minute. Um, but from all the things that happened to that point, I remember um, not wanting to be alive anymore. I know this kind of resonates deep with your story that mm-hmm. we'll get into in a minute. Um, and so I had planned the next day what was going to happen to me and mm-hmm. what I was going to do to myself. And in that moment, my brother wakes. He doesn't remember this because I've, I've asked him. He does not remember this at all. He wakes up or he gets up. Who knows what was going on? Uh, puts in this CD in our CD player that we had like a, at that time it was a boom box, right? right you know, right. it was, you know, that was still 2009. So it didn't have right. necessarily all the stuff we have now we could do. But it's so, uh, he puts in the CD and it was this, this metal Christian metal band called Demon Hunter, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first song came on. And I don't know what it, I don't know if it was just a moment or what was going on, if it was just all the turmoil and things in my mind and in my body. Um, But I knew the gospel Mm -hmm. from like, just like I said, from all of my family history. And I've been in, I've been attending church even through all of those years. Uh, So I I had been getting the gospel presentation all of my life. I just never really submitted to it. And in that moment, um, I was at the lowest point of my life mentally, spiritually, all of it. And I broke down and I cried for like two hours and just praying God to forgive me mm-hmm. and to rescue me from this. Um, I probably slept a couple of hours that night, woke up. I At that point, the thing that didn't happen to me when I was five happened to me at 19 right. and I was changed. Right. And I told my parents what was going on. They had even know, they had no idea what, what was going on in me, right. like mentally at all. And that hurt them for a while, but you know, then we, all sure. that's been reconciled. And I did some terrible things to them in my teenage years that we'll get into later. And, and that's all been reconciled mm-hmm. and, and which has been great. Uh, and so at that moment, like that night, that's when I gave my life to the Lord and I haven't looked back since. Wow. So many people's stories are just that you thought that you, you just kind of walked the walk, but you, mm-hmm. you, you, life didn't really change. And even since telling my story in multiple scenarios, I've heard people say the same thing, that they yeah. thought one thing when they were younger and then come to realize that they didn't actually believe it mm-hmm. until they were a little older. Right. Which has changed my whole approach to even presenting the gospel to people anyway. I right. want to make sure they really understand it right. before I, you know, help them make that decision. Well, I have a very, very similar story. I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my mom was the spiritual leader in the home for the most part. I, I actually remember my dad getting saved in and in, in not that, uh, not that, you know, he was a bad person or whatever. Mm-hmm. He just, um, he just didn't go to church with us at first. We went to the church that my mother grew up in. So we, we went there. I remember my, my grandparents were there, her, her parents, but I remember my mom coming into, this is so weird now. Um, but she came in one night to, to do our, you know, nighttime prayers, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And yeah. she had this paper bag, a uh, brown paper bag. And she sat down beside me and she took it out and it was some nails, but it was a 
big nail. Mm -hmm. I mean, like maybe not big now for being an adult, but it was certainly (laughs) big for like a, I don't know, I was probably about seven years old. And she's presenting the gospel to me. Well, she took the nail and she put it like on my, like, oh, wow. Yeah. Did you didn't draw blood in the palm of your hand? But it put in the palm of my hand. And, and so, you know, just, just the vision. And I get it. And I don't, I didn't like, I didn't have any like hater for it or anything. But, (laughs) but anyway, at that point, I just kind of said the prayer and I walked the aisle, you know, the next Sunday, blah, blah, blah. But as you said with your story, nothing really changed. And I think part of that was I was already in church. I wasn't a bad kid. I had very strict parents. And so if for no other reason, I was afraid (laughs) to to do wrong, you know, and most of my friends, my really close friends growing up were in church. And so I was there all the time. So, I I mean, I naturally just thought I was saved. So I go through, get into my teenage years. I was very involved in church. Then um, we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but I Mm -hmm. ended up going, I went into the military. Well, at that point, I kind of really kind of started, there was a point, and I would say it was probably after high school, where um, I got really good. I call it faking it, Mm -hmm. Um, meaning that, you know, you were a Christian on Sunday and then you were somebody else on the other six days of the week. That was pretty much my life for a long time. Um, Just kind of thinking that you're saved because like, oh, well, I made this decision, you know, and then I I I would rededicate my life a couple of times. It's like, because you felt guilty about what you did the night before or whatever. And then you might, you know, you'd start reading your Bible a little bit and do a thing, but then you just kind of slip back into Mm -hmm. whatever you were doing whether it was drinking or just whatever, you know, just living that life of sin. And then fast forward to our two youngest children who are actually 21 now, before they were born, they had what was called twin to twin transfusion syndrome, which I won't go into that, but they were basically born uh, at, you know, full term is 40 weeks. They were born at 28 weeks and five days. And they literally only had about a 20% survival rate. Um, They were just not supposed to live. And so going through that, we had all of these people praying. We had, you know, just, um, I remember, uh, my wife's OBGYN said, if I ever get cancer, I'm calling you guys for your prayer chain. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, there was just so many people praying. And I remember going through that of the, uh, the, the, the pregnancy that she was going through and all of that. And then just kind of praying or, or thinking I was praying for my kids, you know, cause mm-hmm. I wanted them to, you know, in times like that, you, you, you turn to the Lord. And as I've put it many times, the Lord just kind of took me to the woodshed, but I can kind of compare it to, um, the way that Jacob was wrestling with God all night long, because, you know, the Bible says that God only hears one prayer. You know, if you're not saved, it's the prayer of salvation. Mm. And basically God said, how can you sit here and ask me to help your children to live when you're not saved. Look at all of this stuff that you've done, the way that you've been a mockery to me, that you you go to church on Sunday and you Christian, but yet you're doing this and this and this during the week. And I remember I, I was in the I was in our bedroom and I walked back out and I walked down the hallway and went to to call up and I said and I, and I was weeping and she said what's wrong and I said I'm not saved and she said you talked to me a little bit and so um, we actually went back in the bedroom because we had our two older kids were kind of there. And, and we just walked through the sinner's prayer. And then wow. ever since then, 
things have just been different, oh, you yeah. know, not, not that I don't slip up, not that I don't sin or whatever, but right. God changed my heart. And I, and just as you've said it, and I know we've had so many other people say it and you hear people say it all the time, God's got to change your heart. And if right. God doesn't change your heart, you can walk the aisle a hundred times and you can pray a right. prayer and you yeah. can say whatever. But if God doesn't change your heart, then you're really not saved. Yeah. Being in an active stance of repentance. That's going to be a, yeah. So was Colette saved whenever this uh-huh. happened? Okay. Yeah. So you're, your own family structure looked a lot like the family structure your parents had. Yeah, it was a very, very similar thing. And and again, it was just, I struggled with how could I call myself a Christian and be living the life that I was living, you know, and doing yeah. some of the things that mm-hmm. I was doing. Yeah, no, I get it. I understand. So shifting gears a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about how we got to where we are. So Aaron, you're the young adults uh, mm-hmm. pastor here. Right. Talk a little bit about how you got to uh, your calling in the ministry and then how, what's brought you to where you are now in your ministry. Yes. My story with being called in the ministry is, a, is, I say it's a long one. I will narrow it down as much as possible because we do try to keep this podcast to 30 minutes. Yes. Yes. As I've been advised when I was, so when I was 13, something else happened in my life and it wasn't just, you know, meeting a group of people that got me involved in a bunch Mm -hmm. of, you know, terrible things, but it was also skateboarding happened to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I actually just recently watched a, uh, a documentary about Tony Hawk that came out on, on, on HBO. So I, I watched that and I was like, man, I, I remember a lot of this stuff when it happened because I was watching it, you know, mm-hmm. on TV. And uh, I remember my, I was 13, like as I just said, and it was August and my cousin lived down the road from me. So he comes to the house and he says, hey, we have bought you a ticket to go see Tony Hawk's. It was called his Boom Boom Hug Jam tour at the mm-hmm. time. And so I was like, yeah, let's go do it. You know, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about all that at the time i just knew skateboarding was a thing and tony hawk was a thing because mm-hmm. i played his video games so yeah let's, let's let's go do that so we went and did that and when i saw them doing what they were doing it it that i was like that's what i want to do mm-hmm. i want to be that doing those things and so as soon as i got home i begged my parents to buy me one and so i buy me a skateboard and so they did and um and so from then on um i i progressed pretty quick a lot of guys, it takes them, you know, over a month to learn how to ride mm-hmm. and then to start doing tricks. It was like a week for me and mm-hmm. I was already like doing stuff. Kind of had a natural yeah. talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From then on, that was that was my life. Mm-hmm. And I, from 13, and you can ask my parents, like that's all that I did all the mm-hmm. time. I would leave the house Saturday morning and I'd be gone all day. Mm-hmm. Be gone all day. I'm just skating around town and all kinds of stuff. And so that was a, tra- a trajectory of my life moving in that direction towards skateboarding and then wanting to do that professionally for my my. That's what I wanted to do for my job. Uh, and so there was a few avenues in which I tried to make that happen. After I was saved at 19, um, I was still doing that. And then I, I wanted to make that doing ministry in skateboarding my job. Say Because you became pretty successful at it and, and actually didn't you were about to go pro or you so i i i had skated for a local team in uh-huh. town in san angelo for uh-huh. for a while i wasn't the best guy on that team um but i did i was with him i mean i guess yeah uh and so sometimes it's about who you know right <laughs> uh, and so i was with them and then i i filmed with a bunch of other guys there and i tried sending a lot of my stuff to some some christian skateboard companies mm-hmm. that did that that's what they did they 
they were skateboard companies that traveled the U.S. and the world, mm-hmm. and they would do skateboard demos, which means they would just do a bunch of tricks, and then they would present the, the gospel, gospel. to, and that's what I wanted to do, uh, but you got to be good enough to do it. And so I was sending videos regularly, and I was in contact with one of them, and um, they, they kept telling me to keep sending stuff, so I did. But then this family, I was at Glen Meadows Baptist Church in San Angelo when we moved there. That's why we went to church. This family came and visited, and they were missionaries in Mexico. And so they came and explained you know, what they do, and they, they, they served with the homeless and the youth in Mexico. And they would literally take buses, drive them into, like, into the cities, mm-hmm. put people on the buses, take them to this camp that they had, and it was a 24-hour camp, and they would they would stay there all night and be there all the next day, and then take them back. And they they it was in a network with churches in the cities mm-hmm. that they worked with, so they weren't just literally putting people on a bus and then taking them to some random place. Um, but when I heard what they were doing, then I went and talked to them about the possibility of doing that with them, because I felt this call mm-hmm. into into missions. I mean, it was followed in line with wanting to do missions with skateboarding mm-hmm. also. And so I went and talked to them, and that was a great first conversation, and then some phone calls and emails followed. Uh, and I was still just 19 at the time. And they're like, yeah, why don't you come down and stay with us for six months? And so I went with this missionary team, to where they lived in Mexico for six months. And my job was to work at the camp, but also I had a designated time Mm -hmm. where I was doing demos Mm -hmm. by myself skateboarding in Mexico mm-hmm. on ramps that I built and rails that I put together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I would share my testimony mm-hmm. and present the gospel. And I had a translator that was, mm-hmm. that was with me. And so I had a full, I think it was like a 20 minute whole like dedicated thing mm-hmm. that was just mine for them. And, um, that's, that was, that was pretty cool. That was a, re- a real like life changing moment for me. Um, and I wanted, and when I flew back to the States after that was done, it was July 4th. That was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Cause I was flying over nice. San Angelo and fireworks, yeah. you know, coming out. That was pretty fun. Um, and so I got home and I was like, this is it. Like that, that was the fire I needed to do this full time. And I'm right. going to push as hard as I can to get that done. And so I was still in contact with that company and I was, I was skating hard and fast and trying to do as many like big tricks down a bunch of big stairs and handrails and stuff mm-hmm. that I could. And I ended up getting pretty hurt and I got hurt pretty bad significantly. And it was a leg injury. I won't go into the details too much, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was pretty bad. It was bad. It was bad. Uh, and so I was out for a while. I couldn't like hardly walk. It mm-hmm. was crazy. Uh, and so the thing about the skateboard industry and even in the Christian one where, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're looking for guys that have the talent and can do it now. Right. And, um, whenever I got hurt, I got scared. Yeah. And when I recovered, I was slower. Sure. I wasn't going as hard or as fast or as far. Yeah. Like in jumping like this oh, huge yeah. gaps anymore because I was terrified. I didn't, I right. didn't want it, to, it, it scared me. And right. so after that, I was like, maybe this is not what I need to be doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And you know, my mom was pretty happy to hear about that, right? <laughs> that I wasn't going to be throwing myself down gigantic right. stairs anymore. Um, even though I still skate today, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't do it like I used to. Right. And you know, and so when that happened, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't the trajectory of my life anymore. Um, I was attending uh, Glen Meadows. Baptist Church in San Angelo, and they had a college ministry there. I wasn't in college, but it was for a college and young sure. adult, kind of like what I'm doing now. And so I started attending that with all those people, and I met some guys that love music, and not just music, but like hardcore metal mm-hmm. music, which is what I liked also at the time. And so we kind of you know came together, and they were in a band in San Angelo, and so I went to their shows and watched them, and we became pretty good friends. Um, but then eventually that band broke up, 
and two of those members from that band wanted to form another one, and they asked me if I wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, I, I had a little bit of experience. I'm going to get myself in trouble here because now I'm going to get asked to do this. I'm telling you right now, I'm not doing it. I had a little bit of experience of playing bass guitar, uh-huh. and my uncle had taught me just a little bit, but I don't read music. I don't know how to do that. I just listen and play what I'm told to play. <laughs> um, and so... It was Pierce Love and Mark Hatchers are still two of my best friends, and we still send each other random videos on Instagram now. We laugh. Um, and so we formed the band, and it was called In One Accord. And my brother was the drummer, and then um, this other guy, Justin, was our guitarist, and later it became Devin. Um, and so we started the band. That is actually how I met Emily. Mm-hmm was we played in San Angelo. We got pretty got somewhat popular in San Angelo and then we played our first out of town show in Louisville mm-hmm. over in, in DFW at a venue called Dad's Venue and it's no longer around. Uh, and so she was there with her boyfriend at the time and uh, and I, we we connected but it was like we were friends and she was dating somebody else so I wasn't gonna you know, do all that. Uh, so I just kind of waited that out because I knew that one going to last, right? And then uh, and after that, um, we started dating, and then uh, we're here now. So we did that for a while. We even toured a mm-hmm. couple of times. So we toured once, actually, up into Illinois. We played a festival in Illinois, mm-hmm. and then came back down. And then when we got back, that was, I think it was like a week and a half we were gone. When we got back, uh, we didn't, the band did not meet for like a month. Mm-hmm. We were just like, I'm sick of seeing sure. you and smelling you. It's disgusting. <laughs> so um, we're not going to see each other for a long time. And uh, during that time, there was some formative stuff happening in me to where I really wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. And it was, and I really wanted to um, be with people and help people through their mm-hmm. struggles because of what I had just explained in my mm-hmm. salvation story, things I had been through. I felt like I could help them mm-hmm. do that. Uh, and so during that time, uh, the college pastor at the, at Glenn Meadows at the time was talking to me and Mark, who was the guitarist of the band, mm-hmm. and then two other guys in the church, two other college guys in the church saying, hey, have you guys similar to, uh, I mean, have you guys thought about going into ministry? And I, you know, I feel, I see you guys and I, you know, I've been around you guys for a while. I feel like you guys might be called to something. And at the time I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like mm-hmm. that, that, I don't want to be like in the church. I don't want to be right. teaching. I don't want to be on the stage. I don't want to do all that. I just want to be helping people and mm-hmm. I want to talk to them. And if that means playing music and traveling and then mm-hmm. talking to those who aren't necessarily in the church and helping them get into the church and evangelizing that like that's what I want to do because that was my family history the problem is when we finally had our band meeting we got together and Mark Pierce and me were all like yeah I think we're done <laughs> I'm closing that door for you yeah for all three of us and all three of us were like I think we 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 are all called to ministry, mm-hmm. to be, you know, in, in the church. So God was doing something mm-hmm. in our lives there. And so at that time, my college pastor was, he was a Criswell mm-hmm. graduate. And so he was like, Hey, you guys thought about going to Criswell, if you're going to ministry, those kinds of things. And he even gave us opportunities to preach at, at the church too, which mm-hmm. was pretty cool. And so me and Mark, and then two other guys from San Angelo, not Pierce State, and so mm-hmm. he's actually still a pastor in San Angelo and he's doing great things for, for the Lord out there. And then every time we go back to visit my parents, I go see him and he's, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, and so us four leave and come to come here to Dallas to go to to uh, Chriswell and in the midst of doing that I I met guys in another band mm-hmm. called One Last Soul they were from Fort Worth area and they were like hey we need a bassist do you want to play for us for a while like, yeah sure why not so I ended up touring with them twice um, mm-hmm. um, in the midst of also going sure. to school and uh, that that was a lot of fun made a lot of connections there and um, but it was during that time where I was still like on this edge of 
am I really going to commit to just being in the church and being mm-hmm. and being a pastor? And I don't know if I wanted to at the time. And so I was still trying out the band thing to think maybe this is a door mm-hmm. in which this is going to work. Uh, and then pretty much with that band, the same thing happens. We just, mm-hmm. we kind of stopped playing. And then, in fact, the two singers in the band they uh are now worship leaders in different mm-hmm. you know church contexts sure. in dfw which is pretty cool uh and and so uh, the lord was just kind of working in the midst of all mm-hmm. that and so uh, from then on i was like okay uh, now i know for sure like i've been running for a while i've been mm-hmm. trying out different things and thinking hey, this is what i'm called to uh, but i don't want to do it i'd rather do the thing that sounds more fun to me right now and um, i learned a lot from doing that but i think that obviously now i know i'm being obedient i'm walking mm-hmm. in light with the lord and um, i'm in the church context and I'm 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 privileged to be able to be pastoring now and so that that's that's kind of where how I got to where I am now and uh, I got my first job at a church in Kemp um, I didn't I no one called me about that I applied there mm-hmm. and then I was hired here in 2018 it's amazing how God just keeps through and sometimes some of the things that we do you when you look back on your life it's like okay well yeah God was doing that to mm-hmm. get me to this point right dots eventually just kind of connect yeah I had the things that I wanted to do mm-hmm. and those doors were literally closed Closing. every single right. time and yep. the only option I was left with right. was you either walk in obedience to do this or you don't right. and so I'm happy I chose the obedience path <laughs> so uh well what about what about you Ed how, how did you get to where where you are now so for me, I literally wanted to be a DJ since I was 10 years old. Wow. I used to like pretend to be DJs on the radio. Mm. Um, and obviously at 10 years old, I did not have this voice that God has blessed me with, but I just wanted to do it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, there was just something about it. I always loved music. Um, my family has a roller skating rink. So growing up in the roller skating rink, obviously I was around a lot of music. This was back in the, in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had the disco and things like that. So it was, you know, some good music. Um, and then when I was seven, I started DJing in my family's roller skating rink. If you ever went skating on a Friday night and you had the DJ up there, I mean, that was me. You know, I was wow. mixing it up. This yeah. was, by this time, this was in the 80s, which I think the 80s is some of the best music there is. Um, <laughs> I would so, agree. I was raised on that stuff yeah, from my mom. So, um, uh, but I started doing that a little bit. And then I kind of just, it was more of just a, a hobby, you know, and my dad was like, you know, hey, you got to do something, you know, get, a, get you know, to, to make a living. <laughs> right. I got into um, the HVAC and commercial refrigeration business which is what my dad did oh, okay um i that because I, I did go into the military but i went first went into the reserves so uh while i was going to college for a very short time which that part didn't work out but uh, so i still had to have a real job and so djing was just kind of a side hustle or a hobby or whatever um and then fast forward to 1999 i actually had one of my former youth pastors ask me to do his daughter's wedding i knew about the the mobile dj industry but i just you know obviously didn't do it i knew people that did it and he said uh you know we'd love for you to do our daughter's wedding and i was like i don't do that kind of dj and he's like well man, you you should you know you, you were great back in the skating rink days and i right, was like because yeah. he knew because he was my youth pastor back then uh-huh. and i was like uh, that's a skating ring this is your daughter's wedding it's a little You're bit different yeah. you know and so <laughs> they're like oh please do it so i finally i did it and i had people come ask me for a business card uh-huh. afterwards and i was like well maybe i should do it and so colette had never heard me 
spin or dj before really and she was like you know you're really good and i was like oh, it's just yeah it's kind of a you know kind of just did it on the side she was very supportive and said if this is something you want to do i'll support you and so we started a business a side business i was still working in the commercial refrigeration side of it um our first goal was for her to be a stay-home mom and so i but we okay. built the business up enough that when our two youngest were born she did not go back to work Wow. Um, it was, uh, so I was still working two jobs. I was mm -hmm. had a mobile DJ business and I, with the, in the refrigeration side of it, I got to the point where I was having to make that work around my being able to go do events and stuff. Right. And it's amazing how sometimes the Lord has to really just not just push you, but just kick you off a cliff. Um, I actually got laid off of my regular job in June of 2004. Wow. Um, because that, that regular job was my security. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had right. a business. If you right. have a business, you you are the person, right? right? Well, that was my security blanket, if you will. I was I was making a living doing over the years, you know, supplementing her income. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up getting laid off and Colette takes care of all of our, our finances. She's amazing at taking care of the books and everything. And she said, you know, you really don't have to go get another job. Hmm. She said, it, we just, you know, change some things around. You can mm -hmm. do it. And so, as I like to say, I've never had a real job since. Uh, <laughs> so uh, at that point I was allowed, I was able to go do any type of event, anytime mm -hmm. like I could go DJ something on a Tuesday morning or whatever. And the Lord just really blessed. It really took off. I got to where I was doing well over a hundred events a year. Wow. Um, just you? Just me. Wow. Yeah, just me. I was, and, and I was supporting a family of four, you know, I was very, being very blessed. Um, I would basically, you say, uh, I would DJ at the drop of a hat and I'll help you drop the hat. You know, wow. um, I, I, I DJed a baby shower one time. I mean, I was just, you know, I would just play music for you. hired me to play music. I'd hire you. I'd play music for you. You know, that's awesome. Um, and then in towards the end of 2010, um, I'm blowing and going, um, mm -hmm. doing great. Um, and there's another gentleman named Glenn Roush who actually, we have a personal connection. We grew up next door to each other, but when we <laughs> go, we got connected through, uh, social media and we realized we both did the same thing. No, we wow. both had mobile DJ businesses. Nah. Now he's a little bit younger than me. I'm well, not a little bit. He's a lot younger than me. He's 12 years younger than me, but you know, when you connect with somebody, it's like, Hey, what are they doing? Right. And mm -hmm. so he had a mobile DJ business. I had a mobile DJ business. So we developed a business relationship. And so, uh, one day we're, and we still talk about it many times. We've even gone back there several times, but we were having lunch at El Phoenix here in Mesquite. Mm -hmm. And he leaned across the table and he said, I've got an idea. I want to know if you'd be a part of it. And we started a company called La Force Entertainment. Um, he said, I need somebody to be my right hand man. He said, all of that experience, you know, we talked about mm -hmm. God doing different things. He said, right. all of that experience that you had in the HVAC and refrigeration business, I need somebody that can be an operations person. Hmm. And he said, but I need somebody who can DJ for me too. I need more DJs. <laughs> yeah. So in 2011, Colette and I decided to close our doors and officially get on board with this. Yeah. Um, and it has since grown to, um, we actually have a parent company now called La Force Event Group. Because uh, we have several entities wow. now, and but La Force Entertainment has become one of the largest wedding DJ companies in the state of Texas. Man, that's awesome! Um, yeah. I have since kind of semi-retired from DJing because the long-term goal was for me to focus on running the day-to-day -day operations of the company. Right. Yeah. I still DJ uh, every now and then uh, when people ask me to do it, and then there's the because people say, "Oh, you should be in radio." So there's a little bit of a twist. <laughs> to the radio side of uh -huh. it. And once I started DJing all the time, mm -hmm. I mentioned in 2004, mm -hmm. um, people would come up to me all the time and say, you've got a great voice, you should be on the radio. Yeah. 
Well, after hearing that for, I don't know how many times, like once, twice a week or whatever, forever, I went home one day and I told Colette, I said, how about I give this thing a shot? So in 2005, I went to a broadcasting school thinking, okay, I'm going to do radio, right? I had this career as a mobile DJ. Right. I'm going to go to broadcasting school. I go to broadcasting school and I found out real quick, radio is a tough, tough business. Mm. And doesn't pay a whole lot either. (laughs) But I did get a job uh, at ESPN Radio. I did voice work for them. I did some live uh, or some engineering for live broadcast. And I worked in radio for about a little over a year. And then I was done with it. That was it. I was done with it. I was like, I don't have time for this. Right. Um, To just be running around for like, at the time, it was like 10 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, I would get a paycheck for a month worth of pay from ESPN. And that was like one event as a mobile DJ. Wow. So, uh, so it just kind of went by the wayside. Yeah. So fast forward to, we're here at Sunnyvale and our pastor, uh, Adam Dooley mm-hmm. had a radio show. It's yeah. called a better way with Adam Dooley. And people were saying, you should be on the radio with the pastor. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not my pos- place yeah, right. to just go walk up and say, yeah, hey, I should be on the radio with you. Well, apparently, cause we've talked, we talked about it after the fact, apparently people were going up to him too. Oh really? <laughs> and so I go to his office one day, just to me, I was trying to figure out, man, how more ways I can get plugged in and just give my talents back to the Lord that I feel right. like blessed with me. So we were having this, we talk and he's like, well, there is one thing that you could do. Have you heard my radio show? There and I go. said, yeah. yeah." He goes, would you like to be the host of the radio show? <laughs> and I was like, so I told him about people. And he said, well, I got news for you, brother. Those same people are coming to me that say <laughs> you should be on the radio. So I came in at episode 100. And okay. I, don't, I don't know how many episodes we did. The show was on for like five years. Okay. Uh, on various Christian radio stations around the Southeast uh, and around locally here. But I was his host of the radio show. And then um, God called Adam to another church. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing I actually did, funny story, was what we call bumpers is that you've been listening to right. A Better Way with Dr. Adam Dooley, pastor right. of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church, right? Well, we had some airtime that we had to fulfill. So I had to <laughs> record some bumpers that said, <laughs> You've been listening to Pastor Adam Dooley of Inglewood Baptist there, Church, yeah, which right, is, yeah. by the way, is where he went to. <laughs> right, yeah. So that was my last duties. That's is, funny. <laughs> that, yeah. So now I did that. So I never did it again, you know, that much because it yeah. just was, you know, it's just like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then now, I don't know, however many months ago it was that you approached me, you said, let's do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here we are again. Yeah. So that's kind of how my story yeah, So you, you mentioned a little bit about your being in the Navy. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you talk more about some of that Navy service? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I graduated in 1986 from high school. I was four years away from being born. (laughs) Okay, so you won't remember this. (laughs) Uh, One of the best movies ever, Top Gun, came out in 1986. You know Top Gun, right? (laughs) Totally uncultured. that came out in 1986, yeah. and so that's what I wanted to do. Oh, I, okay, I was yeah. Like, I want to be a fighter pilot. I want to be. I want to be that person. Uh, at the time, you could not have. I for people who don't know, have never met me. I wear glasses. I have really bad vision. I mean, oh, I have to wear my glasses to shave. That's how bad it is. Okay, yeah. Um, but at the time, <laughs> at the time, you had to have perfect vision 2020 to be a pilot. Okay. Now you just have to be corrected to 2020. But oh. at, at the time, you couldn't, you could not have glasses or anything. Yeah, you just had to have perfect vision to be so a pilot. So dream shot. At that it, point, yeah, right? it was like, yeah. oh, all right, well, moving on. <laughs> can't what be am I do? Anymore, yeah. yeah, can't be, can't be that. So um, it just kind of went by the wayside. Well, after about a year of just trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do with my life, I was mm-hmm. working um, in the HVAC business uh, just because you know making a living or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
and didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I went and talked to a recruiter. I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And they had, they said, we, we have this really cool program uh, where you actually join as a reservist and we send you to a junior college and you get a, uh, there's a couple of different ways that you can go in the medical field. Um, and you are a, a hospital corpsman. You're a hmm. medical person in the military. Uh, you're just in the reserves. And so what I chose was to be an x-ray tech. And so I went to oh, a junior okay. college. Um, as I mentioned, the college part didn't work out very well. Okay, uh, yeah. I flunked out not once, but twice. <laughs> I mentioned in my testimony doing things that I shouldn't be doing. Well, that sure. led to being flunked out yeah. of college, yeah. you know, a little bit too much partying. <laughs> um, but I really fell in love with the military. And so for my first four years, I was a hospital corpsman. I was with a field corpsman, like with the Marines. So if you see any of these military movies, like, you know, they have the people that mm-hmm. rush in to help yeah. them. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I did. Wow. And then I ended up, um, uh, again, not living for the Lord. Um, I got a lady pregnant, um, and, uh, we had a child and I really was having trouble mm-hmm. keeping a job okay. and supporting, uh, uh, my then wife. Uh, and, and my child, right. Cause you were um, just in the reserves. At that I was point, just right? in the okay. reserves. So I was work. I was doing, you do one week in a month mm-hmm. and two weeks right. out of the year, yeah. but that's not enough money to live on. Right. Um, and so my regular job in the HVAC, I kept getting laid off and all this. And so after about the third or the fourth person saying, you ever thought about going active duty? I thought, why not? So I went and talked to a recruiter cause I right. love the military. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up, um, joining and, and which obviously gave support, you mm-hmm. know, for right. my, for my family. Right. And so I ended up, I did not want to be a corpsman in the Navy, uh, or or, excuse me, I didn't want to be a corpsman active duty. I liked being in the reserves and being that, that what I was doing in the, in in the, uh, being the combat zone type thing. I did not want to be like just working in a hospital. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, you can change to do something else. So I changed over to being a a gunner's mate. I was actually specially trained to work on the missile launchers uh, on the ship. Um, so I ended up joining the Navy and of course I did four years in the Navy, moved around a couple of different ships and various things. I won't go to the extent of my military career, uh, but I did some really cool things. Um, I spent seven months, uh, down in South and Central America doing counter narcotics mm. operations. I was actually part of Whoa. a, what they call vessel board search and seizure, which is like basically the Navy's, it's not the SEALs, but it's like a SWAT team okay. where you just, you go on board, uh, ships and you search for drugs and then you arrest them and things like that. So that was a lot of fun. To, you to see some crazy I stuff. I was basically a, a, a military police officer as well. Okay. It was. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I get out in 1995 and, um, I was out, you know, and I had fulfilled my duty. Okay. Um, even as a, a lot of people don't know that you it used to, it was eight years now it's six years that when you join that even if you're not active duty, you're a name on a roster okay. uh, for a minimum of now it's like I said, it's six years. It used to be eight. Okay. Well, when I got out my time, I had eight years between my reserve and active duty. I had eight years and four days. So I was done with them. I wow. Like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. I was home 13 days and this is going to sound crazy. I missed it. Yeah. And I was like, and I told my, my uh, wife at the time, that's my ex-wife now. Um, I was like, I'm going back in the reserves. Found a recruiter uh-huh. went back yeah. in. I said, I just got discharged from active duty 13 days ago and I want to go back into the reserves. So I signed another contract for three more years, a year and a half into that. um, My marriage ended up not working out, but I got custody Mm. of my son Mm. and being a single parent in the military is very difficult. Mm. And so I ended up the last year and a half, I became what they call inactive reserve. Okay. So basically I didn't get paid. I was just again, a name on a list. If if (laughs) the world went, you know, crazy. And we had to, you know, go to war or something majorly. But, yeah. um, when it was all said and done with, I did 11 years in the Navy and I loved it. I'm very proud 
of my military. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. My own, let's say this. My only regret is I do wish I had have just gone active duty straight out of that. Straight out of Straight out of, out of yeah. high school. I yeah. would have retired at it. So, so. Is, is that your advice for anyone that wants um, to think about the military thinking about going into the military? I, I would say the military is not for everybody, but I will say this. I saw a lot of people changed mm. and for a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that especially for people that are struggling with um, like inner city people, you know, kids that are having trouble, whatever. I saw this one kid from Chicago that this is when I was in boot camp that, mm-hmm. and I was, I wouldn't say I live a sheltered life, but as I mentioned, my parents were strict mm-hmm. and this kid, I mean, he was just mouthy. Your typical teenage kid from the South side of Chicago. And that man turned his life around wow. just from the discipline. Yeah. And because you don't have a choice, they'll, you right. know, I won't say they'll kill you, but <laughs> you know, they, yeah, they'll, whip, like it, they'll yeah. whip you into shape. Yeah, you know? wow. And so, um, yeah, I mean, so the, the military can do some people good. Let's talk a little bit real quick of how we actually got to Sunnyvale. You, you mentioned that Sunnyvale was your second church, uh, in the ministry. Talk a little bit about how you actually got to hear this church. Yeah. So I was at uh, first Baptist Kemp um, before here. That was my first, um, church position full-time all that kind of stuff over there and i did youth over there and uh i like i said that that was just one that i applied for because it was on a one of the websites from the school and so i just sent a resume and said this is who i am and, and then i got a call back and got over there and then i was there about 18 months and then the president of the college dr creamer who many of our church mm-hmm. people here know because he was interim here for a while um called me how we got my number i don't know called me and said, uh, I've talked to a pastor, you know, in the Dallas area. He's looking for a guy to be a youth pastor for him. You know, what, what do you think about that? And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Uh, let me, let me talk to my wife and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that. And so I thanked him for calling me and then we talked about it. And then I called him back and I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in seeing, you know, what it's about. And then he, I think what happened was he actually gave Adam my email mm-hmm. and then Adam emailed me uh, it was it was like a book of questions. And if mm-hmm. anyone knows Adam or remembers him being here, like that was like he was just pretty thorough about mm-hmm. some of that stuff. Very and thorough. it was I felt actually pretty intimidated. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, I don't. I mean, I'm going to do this, but I don't know if he's going to like any of my answers, like mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff. And um, so I did that. And I think he was pretty looking like just for some like basic Southern mm-hmm. Baptist, you know, sure. stuff. Which is I'm I'm pretty Make sure you're on the same doctrine. And all yeah, that. right yeah. there in line. Uh, and then he then we met face to face for lunch one time. And then he offered me the job. And I was like, well, once again, let me go. I don't make any decisions mm-hmm. without Emily and talking to her about that. And so we talked about it and we were like, yeah, I think this is where God's calling us to be. And so in 2018, this is actually a really funny story. The youth were at beach camp in 2018. I remember this because my kids were at that camp. Yes, they were. And so what Adam wanted to do was he wanted to fly me from Dallas to mm-hmm. um, Alabama where they were there. So it was a pretty early morning flight. And so I had a friend who lived really close to mm-hmm. there to Love Field at the time. And so he was like, Hey, just stay with me and I'll, I'll take you in the morning. It's okay, cool. And and so we did that. But the problem is we stayed up pretty late the night before mm-hmm. and I woke up right when the flight was supposed to leave. Oh no. And so he, I mean, I'm not going to tell you how fast he went to get me to the airport. I and mean, I literally ran. It was like the scene in a movie where you're running mm-hmm. through the airport to get there. I'm running to um, where to the dot where the plane is to get on. And mm-hmm. as I'm running up, I could see it in like the glass of where the plane is. They shut the door. Oh, no. And so I run up to the attendant. I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to be on this thing or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm sorry. Once we shut the door, I can't open it because it's right. sealed. And right. I was like, you have 
got to be kidding me. And so I'm not te- like I'm, he's offered me the job and I have, I've done the paperwork, whatever. But so as a technically my first meeting mm-hmm. with the youth and mm-hmm. like I'm being presented to everybody that's right. there as the new youth pastor. And I have to call Adam and tell him, Hey, I missed my flight. <laughs> and so he was, he was, he was pretty, I mean, he wasn't like mad or anything. I was like, I get it. I understand. He says, luckily there's not a whole lot going on. Um, you can just come later. So we'll yeah. change the flight and we'll get yeah. you there. And so I was so, my Emily was so mad at me. She was like, she's like, this is like, he could like not hire you. Like all right. that kind of stuff. Take his job. And I, I was like freaking out. And yeah. I was like, I cannot believe that. You I had did. already resigned I from cannot camp, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I cannot believe I did that. And it, I mean, it ended up being fine, but yeah. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> you know, it's interesting um, because of having kids at that camp, obviously the church did not know yet. Right. But if you had kids at, that were at that camp, uh-huh. you knew we had a yeah. new youth pastor. Right. You know, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, like, it's like you knew, yeah. you know, other than that, nobody knew yet. So Ed, you've been a member here for a while. Tell, tell me a little bit about, a little bit about how you got here to, you and your family got mm-hmm. here to uh, Sunnyvale. Absolutely. Well, this is actually, believe it or not, this is our second time being a member oh, okay. of Sunnyvale. We've been here since 2015. We were originally here in the early 2000s. The The boys were babies oh, okay. uh, at the time. And my parents and my sister had come here. Uh, we, the church, I mentioned the church in my testimony that I grew mm-hmm. up in. I went there all the way up till then. I tell people, I've only ever been a member of three churches mm-hmm. uh, in my lifetime. Wow. And that's actually where I met uh, Colette, my okay. wife, was at that church. We were both single parents uh, with small children. I right. uh, had Max, my son, from my first marriage, and mm-hmm. she had Lindsay, who I refer to as my mm-hmm. daughter. Um, and we were both single parents, had custody of our kid, and that's where we, we met at that church, wow. Lockwood Baptist Church. Well, the church, um, and it and it's actually since closed its doors and shut down, yeah. but at the time it went through a very bad split. Mm. And pretty quickly, um, my parents and my sister and her boyfriend who is now her husband left and they ended up coming here oh, okay um, colette and i and the kids we stayed a little bit longer uh not mm-hmm. that we were on different sides of the fence or whatever we just stayed there a little bit longer sure. but as the church kind of started circling the drain for lack of a better word we left and we came over here and visited and then we joined and um this is how i remember that the boys were little because you know they always have a baby dedication right mm-hmm. the boys were dedicated at our old church but when we got here, they happened to be having a baby dedication. They're like, "Oh, you want to dedicate your baby? For sure, sure, dedicate them again." Yeah, I mean, so, the boys want to know, right? Yeah. You know, they, you know, so they were dedicated twice. Yeah. So, um, but we came here, and then we were here probably a couple of years, um, and then we had taken Max and Lindsay and moved them over to Garland Christian Academy. Okay. Uh, Max was going into fifth grade. Lindsay was going into uh, third grade. And uh, Garland Christian Academy is a is a ministry of Levon Drive Baptist Church. Well, mm-hmm. at the time, so many families and students of GCA went to church there, and so there was just that that, that yeah. camaraderie, mm-hmm. that connection. And so the kids, Max and Lindsay, were really starting to kind of connect with some of those students. Like, oh well, uh, we go to this other church over here, and my in laws went to that church as well. Okay. And so we we left here not on bad terms or anything. We just got plugged in more. You know, we we're already plugged into the school five days a week. Right. Yeah. What's one more day? You right, know. Yeah. So on Sunday, <laughs> right? So we we went over there and uh, and and joined that church and got plugged in over there. Uh, and we were there for maybe like about twelve years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pastor um, Gary Coleman, not the child actor, but um, <laughs> retired. Um, he was just a wonderful pastor, but mm-hmm. he retired. 
And we stayed there through the interim because I've had several pastors tell me you never want to leave a church in an interim and you never want to necessarily join a church in an interim okay? because you don't know how it's going to pan out. Right. right? No. Yeah. It makes sense. So we stayed there through the interim. And then when they called the pastor, we just felt like that the Lord was calling us to, to go to another church after mm-hmm. they called the pastor. Mm-hmm. And so we visited around some different churches and uh, my dad still went here. My sister uh, and her husband had left and gone to another church. My uh, mom had actually passed away. Uh, back in 2007, but my dad was still going here and we had some other friends that that went here. And so we came back and we visited. And now the thing you have to understand is when we were here before, this worship center that we have here right. was being built. Oh, okay. So we were in a different worship center. Where'd y'all um, it's actually where the education building is now. Oh, okay. Right. So I'm sure you probably heard that story. Now mm-hmm. it's like multiple floors and yes, buildings and everything. Right. But that used to be an open room there okay. and that's where it was. And so this, but this was being built. So we left here before it was open. So we're staying there, new worship center, totally different people by this time. Uh, and by the way, I also want to say that we wanted to actually come visit here earlier. You mentioned Barry Creamer. Right. This church was in an interim. Oh. Adam, Adam had not come here. I yet. see. Okay. Right. So we were hesitant. On, so you took the advice. You I took the advice. We didn't. We didn't right. visit it because we didn't know who the pastor was going to be. Right. Well, once Adam was called here, then it was like, okay, it's stable. We'll go ahead and visit. So mm-hmm. we came over to visit. And I remember the very first Sunday, I leaned over to Colette and I said, "Does this feel like home?" Does this feel like, I mean, wow. you've got, we're in a completely different worship center. I mean, the, the completely different staff up on stage, you know, mm-hmm. leading pastor, right. worship leader, yeah. whole nine yards. But I said, does it feel like home? And she says, it feels like we never left. And cool. And so we were just like, this is it. We, we started visiting, just coming here, visiting more regularly. Mm-hmm. And then, so we were like, we, we felt like the Lord was calling us to join. And so we were like, okay, when do we want to join? And it's so funny that I'll tell you like, how we decided what Sunday to join. Yeah. Um, at the time there was a worship service and then the, the Sunday school, there was two Sunday school hours. There was one before and one after the worship service. Okay. We went to the one after, mm-hmm. well, you know, typically when you join, then you have to go fill the paperwork out and you're stuck or whatever. And yeah. we were like, and at the time on Easter Sunday, they had no Sunday school. They would only have the Easter service. Oh, okay. So we were like, yeah. let's join Easter Sunday because there's no Sunday school after church. Cool. And yeah. we won't be late for Sunday school. There you go. <laughs> so, that's Easter awesome. Sunday, 2015, wow. we rejoined the there church, and uh, we love it here. Awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are back. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about our, our wives mm-hmm. and our families and everything. Um, you talked a little bit about, uh, you touched on a little bit about how you met your wife, but yeah. uh, how long have you been married? And uh, tell a bit how you met your wife. Yeah. So actually, today is our seven-year anniversary. Wait. So, so the day that this episode airs. The day that this airs. Which yes. is not the day we're recording, but the day that it airs. Yes, is your anniversary seven years? Seven years. Seven well, years. Happy anniversary! Thank you. Yeah, seven years, four kids. Wow, <laughs> there we go. You got to four. I have four kids, but you uh, got to four kids a lot faster than I do. Yeah, which is interesting because you had twins. Yeah, yeah. God has a sense of humor. Let <laughs> right? me just tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, so we met, like I said, when I was in my first band mm-hmm. uh, in one accord, and we played some pretty heavy mm-hmm. metalcore music and Christian, of course. You know, mm-hmm. all the lyrics um, were you know God inspired, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, one of the songs we had was called the Song of Moses, and it mm-hmm. was literally Exodus 15. Mm-hmm. It was the whole chapter. It was the song of Moses and mm-hmm. we just put music to it. And so it was pretty cool. Uh, and so we played this venue in Louisville called dad's venue, as I mentioned earlier. And she was there, um, with her boyfriend at the time. And so what happened was, uh, Pierce love, our vocalist, mm-hmm. he 
also played in a band that did worship music at camps. And so he played at a camp that she was at. And so they became friends. And so he was like, hey, I'm playing in Louisville. She lived in Flower Mound at the time, which is just down the road from mm-hmm. Louisville. And he was like, my band's coming. You know, why don't you come out and see us and hang out? So she's like, yeah, cool. So she brought her boyfriend at the time. And so we, I didn't say a word to her the whole night, right? But I, I thought she was really, she, you know, obviously she's beautiful. And I was like, okay, that's like the prettiest girl I've ever seen in my entire life, which terrified me to no mm-hmm. end. Uh, and I was like, well, I'm not going to talk to her because that, that's that's terrifying. I know she, you know, if, if I say one word, she's going to know I'm stupid. And then never talked to me again, right? Uh, and so didn't say one word to her. Um, but then we became friends on Facebook mutually through everybody because mm-hmm. at that time we were the band was still like small enough where that's what we did. And we just when people were there, we found who was there, we just added everybody, right? And then I um I initiated conversation and then we just kind of became friends. Is really what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I waited out that relationship uh, and then. Um, after that, you know, gave her some time, you know, and then mm-hmm. uh, we started talking a bit more intimately and then started dating and uh, a couple of years later got married and, and uh, we're here now seven years into our marriage. And, uh, and you said four kids, Four right? kids. What are the yeah. kids' ages? So Ivy will be six in May. Uh-huh. Gideon is four, Jude is two, and Sullivan is three months. Three months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so our house is crazy right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> it's fun though. I wouldn't obviously wouldn't change anything and it's 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 been uh it's been fun growing with her and being parents and and um growing into that role those roles it's 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 a lot of fun yeah so what about you how did how did you and Colette meet so as i mentioned earlier we actually met at our former church mm-hmm. um you know as a uh, i was still in my i was in my late 20s she was in her mid 20s uh you've got two single parents and mm-hmm. so that can be challenging um, but I remember it was a uh, it was a um, a Sunday morning. I was walking off. Uh, Max, my son, mm-hmm. uh, was five at the time, mm-hmm. and I remember going to drop him off in the I won't say the nursery, but you know where you drop off the mm-hmm. five year olds. Yeah. You know the that. Um, and I remember my sister in law, who her and her husband and family went to that church as well. Okay, they came walking in the door, and Colette was standing there, and she had looked beautiful. You like you said, you look mm-hmm. oh you know look, look beautiful, and she had this yeah. little girl with her. And I thought, man, that's a beautiful lady, but man, she's got a little girl. She must be married or whatever, you know? Right. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. She's with Rhonda and I know Rhonda. I, um, I asked Rhonda who that was, you know? Uh, and she right. said, oh, that's my sister-in-law. And, right. And she's not married, you know? She, okay. That's her daughter, yeah, but yeah. yeah, she's not married. And then come to find out it was the same conversations were happening. And there so, we go, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we, uh, we were actually in the, you know, you talk about the young adults ministry that you do. Mm-hmm. We were in the young adults ministry. Now we were the only two people in the young adult ministry that had kids, you know, right. or the, yeah. there were the college and career and mm-hmm. all that and everything. Right. But we really got plugged into to the church and we became really good friends. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it, like I said, it's a, it's difficult, especially, you know, I mean, there's a, I know there's a lot of single parents out there mm-hmm. and I would highly suggest get plugged into a church yeah. somewhere. Um, and then obviously the younger you are, I know it's even more difficult as, right. a, as a single parent, right. but, um, we became really, really good friends. Um, there's obviously a lot of challenges that you have, you know, with, with having, you know, children and things like that. And so we just, like I said, we just became really, really good friends and, uh, as crazy as it sound sounds, a lot of our dates were our kids were involved, and so oh, yeah, yeah cool. I mean we would it's like hey you want to go to okay well I've I've got Max this weekend and mm-hmm. she's like well I, I got Lindsay and 
So it's like, well, let's just go to Chuck E. Cheese then, cool. you know, instead yeah. of like going to Olive Garden or whatever, you know. So <laughs> the old days were a little unconventional. So, so right? <laughs> yeah, they really were. But but you know, at the same time, Max and Lindsay just hit it off so right. well. That's awesome. Um, they so many people would comment and say how they never knew that they were stepbrother and stepsister. Mm-hmm. They thought that they were you know, legitimately brother and That's sister. Cool. That's a blessing. And so, yeah. um, and so we dated um, for, and I don't remember how long we, we didn't date that long and we just felt like the God was, you know, putting us together really yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, and then we got married this year. We will celebrate 25 years of marriage. Awesome. And, uh, but the crazy thing was we were instantly a family of four. Uh, we were married. We went on a honeymoon. So the first five days we did not have kids. You're right. Day number six, we come back from our honeymoon and we got two kids. <laughs> so, um, but it was great. It was great. Yeah. Um, and so then we had a, we had a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody has a plan, Correct. right? Especially yes. as newlyweds, yes, right? You have yes. a plan. Uh-huh. So we love that Max and Lindsay were two years apart. Okay. So we said we wanted to be married three years. And that way, Max and Lindsay got a little bit older. We wanted to have one kid, wait two more years, and have another kid. Right. But as I mentioned a minute ago, God has a sense of humor. And so right. all that got, it was like, hey, married three years, start having a kid, or start uh-huh. trying to get pregnant. She got pregnant. Yeah. We're like, okay, woo. So I remember we were at that first sonogram. We're looking mm-hmm. in there. And I mentioned earlier I was I was in the medical, in the military. Uh, yeah. I've seen sonograms. I've sure. seen babies. Yeah. And I went, is there two in there? And the doctor goes, he didn't say no. He's like, uh-huh. I'm looking at he got, he was He got all serious. And he's like, I'm looking at some stuff. And I was like, okay. And he goes, yep, there's two. Wow. And, and he says, Colette loves telling the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, who has twins in the family? And I go, not me. <laughs> and she goes, I do. I do. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know that. What? Yeah. yeah. So um, here you yeah, are. <laughs> and here we are. So, uh, but it's been a blessing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the boys are now uh, 21. Um, Lindsay is 27. Um, sadly, Max passed away uh, in yeah. 2012. Um, otherwise, he would be 31 yeah, this year. So, um, yeah. And our Lindsay's getting ready to get married at the oh, end fantastic. of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I knew that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, she's a school teacher, teaches high school science, potentially going back to become a high school uh, counselor. Oh, really? Um, That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Are you going to DJ her wedding? Um, no, I'm not DJing her <laughs> wedding, but I am, as you know, I actually am ordained. I'm going to officiate her wedding. Oh, really? That's cool. Um, I don't but, know if I could do that. I don't uh, know if I could well, get through it. It's, it's interesting though. No, I'm not DJing her wedding. One of our other DJs is, is okay, doing that. Right. But I had, it's funny. I had been thinking about stopping officiating. And when she asked me to officiate her wedding, mm-hmm. I said, that's it. Yeah, that's going to be my mic yeah. drop. That's going to be, I mean, unless like one of the boys asked me to do it and I'll do that. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's going to be my last one in December and marrying a very nice gentleman. His name is Dorian. Cool. He's actually an engineer at Lockheed Martin. Really? He makes the wings wow. for F-35s fighter planes. That's cool. So, so a little bit of a the, yeah, military little, little full circle there. there. Yeah, that's crazy. Exactly. So, so he builds the things that you wish you could fly. Yeah, that I wish I could fly. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to shift a little bit here yeah. um, to, and we're going to apologize here for a little bit. We know this episode's long, but um, we hope you're enjoying just getting to know us a little bit better. Yeah. Obviously, we don't talk as much on the other episodes, so we just right. figured... We're getting, getting it all out. Get now. it all out yeah. now. So, um, let's talk a little bit about here. If you were to watch one movie for the rest of your life, Aaron, what would it be? 
Okay, so I sometimes this changes depending on like where I'm at or like uh-huh. what movie I love at the time. Um, but I really think Dark Knight is one of those that I could watch. Okay, forever. Yeah, but also Hook. Oh, so Robin I Williams. yes, okay. yeah, I yeah. love that movie and I loved it as a kid. I still love it, and so I could watch that forever. Wow, yeah, I I love the just idea of the imagination. And keeping that as an adult yep. and just kind of how that's how we're wired and we're made to actually have that. And I think that movie does a really good job of portraying what happens when you lose that and how much fuller your life mm-hmm. can be. You can be an adult and do adult yeah. things, but still have this playful side yep. that, you know, to you with your kids and all those kinds of things. And so mm-hmm. I, and that stuck with me for forever because mm-hmm. my dad was that way. Oh, okay. And so I, um, the playful way, not the, yeah, not the yeah. begrudging, you know, kind of <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so that, that stuck with me. So I, I love that movie a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. What about you? What, what what movie could you watch for the rest of your life? Lonesome Dove. That's a long one. Uh, it's a miniseries, but <laughs> if you take out all the commercials, then it's not as long. It's okay. actually still six hours long uh, with with so. commercials. But and so, by the way, uh, Pastor Darren, if you're listening and you haven't seen Lonesome Dove, I'm going to kick it back to you. There you go. Yeah, because you guys talked about last week about all the different lines. There are so many good lines that come out of Lonesome yeah, Dove. Yeah, I've never seen it. Oh my gosh! All right, so you need to see it. Yeah. I'll, 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 you're right. You're uh, right. I looked at the runtime and I was like, I'm not doing it. Well, and and of course, I saw it when it first came out and I was hooked. And oh, really? Then, okay. And then at that point, I remember, okay, when is it going to come back out? And I'm really dating myself by saying this. Uh-huh. I recorded on VHS and so I'd have to watch it and you fast forward sure. to the commercials. Oh, okay. right. Then I was actually able to get a copy of the VHS, do that. Mm-hmm. And then now I actually have a DVD copy. And since then I actually have it digitally um, and it may or may not be on my iPad to be able to watch it a moment's notice. <laughs> so um, that makes a lot of sense. If, yeah. if I'm going to do a series like a trilogy, then I'm picking yeah. Lord of the Rings. I would definitely. So it's broken down into parts because mm-hmm. it basically, again, it was a mini series. And I don't know about the statistics now, but I know for the longest it was the wow. most watched yeah. or the highest rated mini series in the history okay. of television. Um, great. Great cat, all star cast, uh, Robert Duvall, Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones, um, and just some classic lines. Uh, they're they're Texas Rangers, um, and they take right. a cattle drive from South Texas all the way up to Montana. Okay, wow. Um, and so it's just really, you know, um, if you think about, um, uh, I'm sure a lot of people watch Yellowstone, and then mm-hmm. the spinoff was uh, 1883, which right. is a cattle drive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of that, I, I, as I'm watching, because I've watched 1883, okay. um, a lot of that is the similarities of, oh, of doing that. And uh, and so, anyway, but if you break it down, and again, taking out the commercials, mm-hmm. right. um, each section is would be an hour and a half. Okay. So you could watch that, and it breaks to where you, like, you could pause and then, and then right. go back. So, okay, cool. So definitely, yeah. but yeah. So um, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the ones that I have on my iPad that I can watch anytime. Yeah. But they're the extended editions, oh, so they're each like four hours makes long. Makes it even longer. Oh, yeah, I love right, it. Love right. it. I know like every line. <laughs> All right, so pineapple on pizza. Okay, so for me, and when my wife hears me say this, she'll know exactly what I mean. I don't care in the sense of if it's on there, I'll eat it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to request it to be on the pizza. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay, so it doesn't bother me, but I'm not going to like die on the hill that it has to be on. Right, right. Yeah. What about you? Well, I said this last week, uh, and I'm going to say it again. No. <laughs> it's just an emphatic no. If you if put, you, so what if you took it off? Would uh, you still well, eat? I'd take it off. And okay. I, and, and it's not that I don't like pineapple. I'm right. just a very... 
Uh, I mentioned that I'm, a, I'm kind of a finicky eater. I love okay, pepperoni, right. and that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, not that I won't eat other stuff. It's just, yeah, no. So it's a no. Okay. It's a no. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, favorite sports teams? Mine are all Dallas area teams. Sorry. Um, growing up, that's what my dad watched, and so that's just what I fell into was was all that. And so I'm, I'm a homer. Mm-hmm. I love all the home teams. Um, favorite is going to be the Mavericks. Okay. Because uh, I basketball is my favorite sport, mm-hmm. and then after that it's Rangers, and then it's Cowboys. You want gotcha. to put them in the order of Dallas teams that I like the most. I don't watch hockey a lot, but mm-hmm. I mean I do when it's playoff time because that's sure. that's the hockey watcher that I am. Right. When it's playoff time, and if stars are in there, then I'll watch then the stars. Watch but I don't watch regular season stuff. Yeah. So for me, if you know me, I'm a diehard baseball fan. Yes. I wanted to. I played baseball in high school. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. People's like, if you know, if you could do anything, I would. I would have loved to have been a professional baseball player. Uh, I was not near that good, uh, but it's, you <laughs> know, the hey, dreamer. we can dream. Yeah. 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 I talk about, I was dreamed to be a fighter pilot, well, you know, <laughs> dreamed to be oh, a, a baseball player. Yeah. Um, and so for me, and I am a major diehard Texas Ranger, f- uh, fan going back to way, I actually have the program and I did not know that this was it until just a couple of years ago. I asked my dad, I actually have a, I still have the program from the very first Ranger game that I ever went to when I was six oh, years really? old. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, I found it in a box of stuff that w- had come from my grandmother's house. My grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, was a r- big baseball fan, big, okay. big uh, Ranger fan. And yeah. that's, that's kind of how... Uh, I fell in love with it, and he would he would take me to games. And this is at the old original mm. Arlington Stadium, which is now three stadiums ago. Right. Um, yes. Uh, and so um, I actually um, I, I, knew, I had this program, and I knew it was from a a, a game. And I said something to my dad, and he goes, "I think that's the." First game you ever went to was with your grandfather. And what's interesting is in, in baseball programs, they have scorecards in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you don't see, you don't see, used to people would keep score at the games all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, my grandfather was keeping score. No way. Uh, in there. And it stops about the fifth inning. And so I can't help but think of that's probably where little Ed started getting really rambunctious because he was uh, like only six years old. Right. Yeah. At a baseball <laughs> He's like, game. all right. <laughs> and that was an outdoor stadium right. and what, everything else. But yeah. So for me, oh, it's, that's cool. it's, uh, and I like yeah, other man. sports teams, right. but I'm more of a, it, it's, it's baseball. Right. It's baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, so. yeah, I, I love it too. My, I married into a baseball family and that's, yeah. that's their boys played and oh, it's, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Love yeah. it. So what's your favorite breakfast food? Um, so I think I mentioned this with Dr. Bowles last week, but it's going to be French toast, mm-hmm. um, I, especially at Cracker Barrel. Mm. Their French toast with their syrup, I just, man, I could do, do that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, what, what about you? What's, what's your favorite so breakfast? So for me, food? it's biscuits and gravy. Oh, man, that's oh, such a good I, one, too. I love biscuits and gravy, um, but... Some there are certain places that I don't think has had as good of biscuits and gravy, but um, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll, I definitely am a, a biscuits and gravy oh, man. type all person. day. I agree. I may yeah. just change mind to that now that you said that. We'll <laughs> <laughs> go to Cracker Barrel right Let's now. Do it, Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you could sit down, and we're going to shift here for okay, yeah. as we as we kind of wrap this thing up, right. um, we're going to shift to some of these questions that we're asking some of the other people that mm-hmm. church members have asked. Uh, if you could sit down with one uh, any one person in the Bible, who would it be, and what would you discuss? So, I think mine is going to be John, mm-hmm. um, and I want to know. I want him to tell me what exactly it was like to see the things that he saw 
than to write those down while being in the island in Patmos. Yeah, I want to know all that. I want to know, I want him to tell me what that experience was like. I've often thought about that as you're reading through the, just thinking about uh, as you're reading through Revelation, Mm -hmm. just like, wow, I wonder what that was like. Yeah, and it's, that's what I, you know, that's what I want to know. I want to sit down with him. I want him to tell me like that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm So what, what about you? What, what, if you could sit down with any of those, you know, it's, gosh, there's just so many. And I was sitting here thinking about it as we were preparing for yeah. this, you know, you think about God, what would my answer be? Cause there's so many different ones. You know, I, I think about, I think about Exodus, uh, and I think about Moses, mm-hmm. you know, what was it like walking across the dry land with the, yeah. the with I, the, the sea and then the, just all of that. And I mean, you know, it's just so many things, but I honestly, I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn between David and Paul. Okay. Um, but I, I, I kind of really lean more towards David because, mm-hmm. um, uh, look, I made no bones. I've, I've screwed up a lot in my life sure. and, and I know that, that David did too, but yet God's forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look and, and, and I think David's life is such a good example for Christians that just for lack of a better word, mess up a lot, man, what was it like to be, to be, you know, to, to just experience that forgiveness mm-hmm. and everything. Of course, I mean, we can experience it ourselves, but I don't know. It would just be, it would just be interesting to just sit down and, and maybe not even ask questions, but just to, just to talk and, and listen and just, just, just listen to him talk. Yeah. Yeah. Just through all of his life experience. And, exactly. And, and, exactly. And, and yeah, just being and, king and his anointing and all of the going exactly. through all that was Saul. Like, and just, then even, just tell me all that stuff. And, yeah. and then even, you know, uh, me the being, inside in, look. In, being in the military and, um, you know, I mean, I love hunting. I love shooting and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I mean, I'm fascinated being able to take a slingshot and, and, right. and, 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 you know, kill Goliath and, 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 uh, um, you know, D- Dr. Biles, who knows so much about David has even talked about, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, Hey, he hit mm-hmm. him. I mean, right. he had to get through the armor mm-hmm. and, right. and, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a sniper shot right Little there. Small feet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> you got a sniper shot with a slingshot. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I'm intrigued about that, yeah. you know, especially having, you know, been, uh, uh, what I did in the Navy. So, yeah. and yeah, defending definitely. sheep, killing lions, all kinds yeah. of stuff. He's, I mean, he was a man's man, yeah. but yet he was a man after God's own heart. That's right. So I know that we've asked other people on here about what like non biblical character would they want to sit down with? And I, I haven't really thought of, of one myself, but I, I've heard tell that you have a whole dinner planned that you would, you would sit down with. <laughs> I do. I do. I <laughs> tell do. us about that. So the, the, you've heard people say, you know, like if you could have five, people living uh, or dead who right. would yeah, they be right. and so many years ago i thought wow who would that be and so i i do i do there's one guest that has been added recently okay and so i'll save that person for last okay all right so i mentioned lonesome dove right uh-huh. yes so uh tommy lee jones is there Robert Duvall, Fantastic. because they're just cool dudes. Okay, right. You know, and this is spoiler alert, but Tommy Lee Jones in in Lonesome Dove, there's a scene in there where he just beats the soup out of this guy <laughs> oh, no. because he was rude. <laughs> and he looks and goes, I hate rude behavior in a man and I won't tolerate wow. it. Wow. And walks away. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, he's so cool. <laughs> and so anyway, so Tommy Lee Jones, Robert okay. Duvall, because I'm going to talk Lonesome Dove. Okay, you know, what sure. was it like yeah. doing that? Yeah. Uh, huge base 
baseball fan. Right. Um, I may or may not have a little bit of a shrine in my office to Nolan Ryan. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. I actually, believe it or not, did a wedding for a gentleman um, that Nolan Ryan was invited to the wedding. So no I, way. I almost, but he ended up not. A oh. uh, little thing called the Rangers had just fired him. Uh, 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 so, oh no! Was uh, right when all that happened. Yeah, oh, that's okay, when all that yeah. went down. They fired. They fired him and, and went. He went to the Astros, and, right? He went to the Astros. Okay. Yeah, but um, he was he was invited to that wedding. Oh man! Um, so um, so there's that. Uh, George W. Bush. Uh, okay. One of my senior. Of, uh, no, George W. Oh, right. W. Um, yeah. W. yeah, I was born in 1990. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and actually, Benjamin's middle name is Walker, which is named after George W. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right. Um, and so George W. Um, and then, so number five, this is party of six here. Mm-hmm. Number five is Mike Rowe. Uh, yeah. Dirty Jobs Guy. Yeah, Dirty Jobs Guy. His podcast, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, oh, The Way I Heard It. I highly suggest people listen to his podcast. Now, it's changed formats a little bit a couple of times. Okay. But if you ever remember Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story, if you've ever heard that, if you haven't, then Google it. Okay. But I highly suggest listen to his podcast called The Way I Heard It which is kind of a, uh, a parody of that, if you will. Mm-hmm. But micro is just, he's, I mentioned I did HVAC and refrigeration. Mm-hmm. My right. dad did it. My dad did that stuff for, for 45 years, just the blue collar, uh, skills, you know, go work hard, you know, to support your family. He's, he's the working man mm-hmm. guy. And he's, yeah, he's so very well spoken. He actually used to sing opera. And so, uh, he's just such an interesting guy and I can, I can listen to him talk about anything. So huh. I would love to just have all five of those men sitting at a table and right. let's just talk yeah so yeah absolutely so next question real quick mm-hmm. uh, other than the bible what book has most influenced your life yeah so for me it's still going to be a theology book uh, and it's called the gospel of the kingdom mm-hmm. written by george eldon ladd and it um, goes through just when jesus talks about the gospel of the kingdom um, in scripture, he talks a lot about what that is and what that means. Um, and it's, it, it, reading that changed just kind of my view of that teaching in scripture and then how the rest of the new Testament plays out. Uh, and so that, that, that changed my life. And so during, and that wasn't even a required reading in school. It was something that a professor gave to me on top of what I was already reading. Cause I had some questions about a lot of stuff. And so he said, read this and then let's come back and discuss that. And so I did. And it, it, it changed changed my life oh wow yeah absolutely so what about you other than the bible well what other book so this is, is going to be a different so as you mentioned you didn't have a secular person okay. yeah um you I only have, read the bible uh pretty much oh wow but Fantastic. No. well there's, there's there's a reason for it Aaron. okay no. <laughs> um when i was in high school i, I struggled as a student uh, yes, all through school. Right. Um, when I was in high school, I was actually diagnosed with a reading disability, mm-hmm. a comprehension problem. In okay. other words, I read and I cannot remember. And it made it very difficult and, and to read. I, I didn't like it. I even right. I even said, I mentioned Lonesome Dove, I set out to read the book one time mm-hmm. uh, because it's based on a book because I thought, oh, well, this will be easy. Um, I know the movie and then I'll right. just learned a lot of backstories and stuff and right. I couldn't get through it because Man. I would read something and then I would forget. So I would venture to say that there's really not any book outside the Bible, but people say, well, how do you read the Bible? I listen to the Bible. Right. Um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of the YouVersion app. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have actually since, I've read through the Bible now three times um, in wow. reading plans yeah. and gone through uh, to just have it read to me. 
it just makes so much more sense. So what was the most frightening moment in your life and how did God get you through it? Okay, so just like we talked about with Dr. Biles last week, um, before I had kids, it would have been something else. But since I've had them, um, it was something with Ivy. Uh, so we, she was, she was able to sit up. So I mean, she was just, still just a few months old. Um, we we went to Chick Fil A one night for for dinner, and um, uh, so Emily, we had ordered food and we got her some some of the the chicken nuggets that they have there at Chick Fil A. And Emily went to the bathroom, so I was feeding Ivy the the food, and um, and she was she was always pretty good about being able to feed herself, and so she would grab it and you know put it in her mouth and. And I wasn't thinking about at the time, like what size those pieces needed to be cut into so she could swallow them. And so she took one and ate it and she was choking on it. Oh, and, wow. and she wasn't just like, it wasn't just like a hack and it came out. It was mm. like, she couldn't breathe. Oh, and wow. she was, I was watching her turn blue mm. in front of me. And Emily comes out of the bathroom and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. And I froze. I, was, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think what happened is I had told somebody to go go call or whatever, and we were trying to get it out of her, mm-hmm. and, and we finally did. We we got mm-hmm. it that we you know bent her over and you know sure. and and pat and just say patted. We slammed her back until yeah. it came out. Uh, and so that that solved that. But for me, that was the uh, you know I I'm only thirty, so I haven't been through a whole lot. But that was uh, as far as me being a parent so far. That was the most traumatic mm-hmm. thing that I've been through because. I felt like I caused that mm-hmm. and it was my fault that she mm-hmm. was choking because I wasn't checking um, like how small the pieces needed to mm-hmm. be to for her to eat it and so since then you know I've, I like I'm adamant about you know cutting yeah. until they I don't care how old you are you're gonna yeah. eat the little pieces I make for you because you're not gonna choke on my you're watch 10 years old we're still blending your food <laughs> up <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so that was that was frightening and I I can't remember anything else in my life being that scary to wow. me because um, it wasn't about me. It was about her and she was just a few months old and then yeah. we just going to, mm. I mean, she could have died right. and right. that that's just, I can't, yeah, I can't imagine that being on my shoulders. And so praise God that, um, yeah, that she lived through that. Mm. We, we got, we got the food out finally and she was able to breathe and yeah, we, we were traumatized for, for a while wow. after that. So yeah. What about you? What's, so what's for, the... for me, it's kind of really a one A and a one B because, mm-hmm. uh, with, with Max, as I mentioned, he passed away mm-hmm. uh, be 10 years ago, uh, this July. Yeah. Um, I still remember when I got the, the, the phone call and, uh, he actually, he took his life. And, um, I remember when I got the phone call from his mom, my ex-wife, um, saying that he had uh, shot himself and just going through that, just, I told somebody, I remember the next Sunday we were at church, Colette and I were sitting around and I've told this story before and we were just like, you know, man, we, we, we just need to go to church, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a gentleman. And again, I think, I think I told the story last week. There was a gentleman that came up to us that said, um, you know, man, I can't believe you guys are here. And I said, I don't know how anybody could go through this that isn't a Christian Mm. because, um, while I, you know, Max did take his life, we do know that he was saved. Mm -hmm. And so the hope that you have, and I've I've got several other friends uh, that have lost children Mm. as well. Um, the hope that you have of knowing that it could be five minutes, it could be five years, it could be 50 years, but that you'll see your child again. Um, and so that was, that was just, that was really a, a moment where, you know, we were just really turning the Lord, you know, just Mm -hmm. Lord help us. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what to think. We don't know what to do. And I mean, God in our life was just, there's just so many different ways. 
uh, I can't, I can't even begin to go into them mm-hmm. where we just felt God's presence through all of that. And then the other one was, um, when Benjamin got sick, uh, in 2015, uh, when he was diagnosed with his Addison's disease, um, and basically, um, had a near death experience mm-hmm. and was in a coma for five days and us not. And I remember that first night, uh, just, just leaning into one of our friends that was there just weeping. Uh, one of those friends who was actually the, a couple that was with us, uh, right there through all of that stuff with Max. And I remember looking at the guy mm-hmm. and just weeping. I was like, yeah. I can't lose another child. Yeah. And now, you know, granted God will get you through it if mm-hmm. you do. But, um, but through all of that, it was just, uh, where God really, really, um, helped us and, and, you know, was just there for us and ministering and, and got us through it. So, and it's funny again, as you said it last week and we say it again, mm-hmm. It's funny, once you have kids, everything just shifts to yeah. uh, having, it's all around about the kids. That's right, yeah. About yeah. the kids. Yeah. Last question, uh, what were your what were some of your favorite things to do as a kid? I'm assuming probably skateboarding, right? Uh, yeah, and, and like I said last week, sneaking into my neighbor's back <laughs> pasture and shooting the cows to be gone. That was so Has much Has anybody fun. said anything to you about that? No. No, no nobody said No, anything. not yet. Okay, no, so yeah. clearly people, that are listeners, don't have too <laughs> don't much issues resonate, with shooting yeah. <laughs> cows with BB guns. That's all right. I grew up in a little small town and that's what we did, man. Awesome. Yeah. So for me, obviously, it was kind of skating too, but mm-hmm. with just more wheels, I guess you would say. So growing up the roller skating right. rink, of which I still do. It's funny, you mentioned about you still go skating, but you don't do as much and you're mm-hmm. a little sore. I'm the same way. It's like, yeah. I, I still go skating skating now uh, and yeah. uh, getting ready to be 54 years old. I just don't do as much as I did right. when I was younger. Yes, correct. Um, so, but, but yeah, I would skating, say skating and then, and then to be honest, DJing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's something that I, I like I mentioned earlier, right, I yeah. wanted to do. I, yeah. I would pretend to be a DJ on the radio and pretend like I was playing music. And then as a teenager got mm-hmm. to do it. And so I just always loved it. Um, you know, God just blessed me to be able to make a living out of it. Amen. Amen. So. That's awesome. Well, it's been uh, it's been great getting to know you a little bit more, Ed, and kind of um, seeing more about your story and just how um, God brought you here and even your salvation. And um, I hope that our listeners have gleaned some things even from, from your story. Absolutely. Yeah. And the same with you. It's been mm-hmm. a pleasure. We're looking forward to uh, uh, many more episodes together. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, for our listeners who have made it this far, we apologize for it being so long, but... Uh, uh, you got two dudes just rambling on a microphone. Right, I think yeah. it's what it's bull in town yeah. too. So we appreciate it. Tune in next week and we'll see you later. If what you have heard today has been helpful and encouraging to you, then please leave a review with five stars. If you'd also like to request future topics for discussion, then please email us at sfbclifeaftersunday at gmail.com. And now a word from Dr. Darren Biles, pastor of Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast, Life After Sunday, a podcast ministry from Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. We are delighted that you have joined us today. I want to make a special invitation to you to come be our guest this coming Sunday or any Sunday at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. Our address is 3018 North Beltline. We would be delighted for you, for your family to come worship with us. Our Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9 o'clock. Our worship service starts at 1030. We have Sunday school for all ages. We would love to meet you, have you a part of our church family. We'll look forward to seeing you. It is my honor to serve as the pastor, and I'll look forward to seeing you at Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. 
Life After Sunday is a podcast brought to you by Sunnyvale First Baptist Church. I'm Ed Petty along with Aaron Allen. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and join us again next week on Life After Sunday.